So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight, how great you are. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for our brothers and sisters leading us to the throne of grace. How great you are. Your glory fills the heavens. How great you are, Lord Jesus, full of grace and truth. We honor you. We glorify you. We seek to live our lives in order to be pleasing to you and that you might see in us what you have made us to be, your people. We thank you, Lord, for the middle of this week, and we thank you for the opportunity we have to come together to have fellowship in your word. We pray for all the various ministries going on tonight all over the church campus. We pray for them all. We pray for the leaders who lead them all, from our children through our students and all of our adults involved in various places. And for us here, we ask as we open your word that you might help us to, first of all, bring our thoughts to you. We've all come from different challenges today and some sadness and some glad. And we bring all of our emotions and our desires to you. And we pray for that one person or persons that you've put on our heart today. We now present them to you and we ask that your will be done in their life. We pray for our church that we would be your people and accomplish the purposes that you have for us here in this place until Jesus comes. May you see in us uh, uh, the joy of the Lord and may you see in us a willingness and a desire to serve you with all of our heart. So we thank you tonight how great you are and we thank you for it. And we praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good evening. Good to see all of you who are here. If you're here tonight and you haven't been with us, there are, uh, there are outlines here in the middle and also at the back if you want to follow along. If you're just coming in to join us from some other place and some other uh, Bible study, we're glad you're here. We're studying in the book of Exodus. Some of you have been in the Revelation. Well, you're going to go way back in time now. And we're going to go way back in time and we're going to start and talk about some things uh, in the life of Moses. And so we're glad to have you. Those of you watching us tonight, may the Lord bless you. Wherever you are, we miss you. We pray for you and we pray that you would, that you're doing well and that you're able to uh, join us and thank you for being with us. Last week we looked at the birth of Moses and tonight we continue to talk about him. We're in Exodus chapter 2 beginning in verse 15 and we'll be looking down through tonight through verse number 6 of chapter 3. <clears throat> Last week we found Moses by faithful parents who believed God putting him in that basket, sending him down the river of death, the Nile where all of those uh, Jewish boys were being thrown to their deaths. But God had a plan for him, this beautiful one, this favored one, chosen by God to be the deliverer of the people of God and the lawgiver. And I've said this to you before, before we come to, we hurry to want to find what does the Bible mean for me. And I appreciate that. What does the Bible mean for me? But before we ask the question, what does the Bible mean for me? We must understand the story, the history of what God has done in those people in the past. 
So we're doing both in uh, our time together, and I'm calling these uh, studies Moses, a man who heard from God. And so we'll be a while in the book of Exodus, and uh, if you're going to join us, it'd be good for you to just read along in Exodus as you can. It'll get you ahead, uh, and you can follow along. The uniqueness of Moses' life is that he heard from God. And because he heard from God, let me, I'm just coming back to remind some of you not been with us, uh, the first five books of the Word of God are all authored by Moses. That's an astounding thought. He is the author of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy is one full sermon given by Moses as he finishes his life. We have a lot to learn from the lawgiver. The Lord Jesus Christ, there, is, uh, there are many types, that is, there are many comparisons, uh, prophetic uh, comparisons between Moses and the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll look at some of those along the way. We'll also see the glory of God's character and nature. The nature of God and His attributes are revealed through the experience and life of Moses. We learn who God is from how God spoke to Moses and revealed himself to Moses. Uh, we'll, we'll see some elements about the law of God. We'll also see some elements and spend some time talking about the importance of the tabernacle. All of what happens in Exodus happens while Israel is in the wilderness, not in the promised land. This becomes very important for us. God delivers them and then they spend 40 years, sadly, uh, those above the age of, of 20 die in the wilderness because of unbelief. There are many lessons for us. As Paul said, we learn from these words of these Old Testament uh, people. Uh, we, we learn what it's like to walk with, walk, by, walk with God by faith and to understand that these are uh, stories for us that help us with our own faith. Well, tonight we read Exodus chapter 2, verse 15. When Pharaoh heard, I should read verse 14. Uh, when uh, he said, who made you a prince or judge over us, this is when, this is when uh, Moses had killed the uh, Hebrew who was... Uh, harming uh, his Jewish brother. He looked one way and the other, verse 12, and when he saw no one was around, Moses struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. He went out the next day and two of his Hebrew brothers were fighting and uh, he said, why are, you, why are you striking your companion? And one of them pushed him and said, who made you a prince or judge over us? And are you intending to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Verse 14, and then Moses was afraid and said, Surely the matter has become known. Verse 15. We'll start reading verse 15 now. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, that the Egyptian had been killed by Moses, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh, settled in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and filled the troughs to water their father's flocks. Then the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flocks. When they came to Ruel, their father, he said, why have you come back so soon today? So they said, an Egyptian, notice an Egyptian, 
Moses looked like an Egyptian. He talked like an Egyptian. An Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And what is more, he even drew the water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, where is he then? Why is it that you have left the man behind? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses was willing to dwell with the man and he gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses. Then she gave birth to a son and he named him Gershom. For he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. Now it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died and the sons of Israel sighed because of the bondage and they cried out and their cry for help because, uh, because of their bondage rose up to God. So God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and God saw the sons of Israel and God took notice of them. Now, Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing, please notice, a blazing, not smoldering, not flickering, blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was blazing with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then God said, do not come near, uh, near here. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Now, I wanted us to focus here on 5 and 6 for a moment. Again, let me read 5. Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He also said, God also said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Heavenly Father, we thank you now for your word and we pray that you might open our minds to the truth of your word tonight. These ancient words from so many, many, many years ago, how important they are for our faith. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our focus tonight, my focus from these words will be this, that Moses heard God speak and feared God. Moses heard God speak and feared God. That same principle is true for us. When we hear God, how do we respond? When we hear God from the Word of God, do we fear God? 
Is there in our life a desire for holiness and to commune and fellowship with God together? Well, let's, first of all, I've given you these. Just I've, I've gone back through and outlined again the, the history here. What happens uh, to Moses? Uh, with a few comments, I want to just go back through this for a minute. So first, we, we see this picture that he left Egypt. And I mentioned this before that uh, in verse 19, when the, uh, the, the daughters came and spoke to Ruel, which is also another name for Jethro. Jethro, was, there was, it's the same person, uh, the priest of God. First of all, we, uh, we must be reminded that he settled in Midian. Midian was uh, uh, a significant place, but it was the, it was, uh, Midian, uh, the Midianites were the descendants of one of Abraham's sons, but it's the son of Abraham from his second wife. So they were God-fearing people, but they did not have the promises of God given to them as, uh, as clearly as they were given to Abraham, Isaac, uh, to Isaac and to Jacob. And so there was this relationship with the Midianites. Many of you know in your Bible history that uh, Joseph's brothers sold him to the Midianites. And so the Midianites play a role all through the Old Testament. So they are, and in Genesis 25, you can read about that, but the Midianites, this is, this is where he goes. So he leaves as a, he looks like an Egyptian. He's been educated and trained as an Egyptian, top, class, top of the class. I mean, he's the, he's the adopted son of Pharaoh. He has the best education that Egypt can provide. And Egypt in that day and time was an astounding, uh, an astounding civilization. And many of you in your studies have looked at and you've, you've seen historical, uh, archaeological document, uh, documentaries about Egypt and all of it. Moses was well-trained in all of the schools and the training and philosophies and religions of the Egyptians. So Moses leaves as a uh, born a Hebrew to slaves, but as the adopted son of Pharaoh, he leaves Egypt. He left Egypt. He left Egypt looking like an Egyptian, but with a heart for God because of what he had been taught from his mother all those years about the promises of God to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses had intended to deliver his people, but he tried to do it in his own way. We learn that from when we study uh, Stephen's comments in Acts chapter 7. I'm not going to go there tonight, where he talks about his intention was to deliver the children of Israel. It was a natural thing. He put it in his mind. He realized this would be an important thing he could do, but... Uh, he did it his own way rather than God's way. We can do the same thing at times. So Moses left Egypt, but Moses left Egypt and God had a plan for him because he was going to hear from God. I have to ask you to remember that you're ta we're talking about Moses and the only thing we have, and we pick this up from the book of Genesis all the way through. Folks, I've got to get you back here. There is no Bible in the day of Moses. There are no scrolls. There is no Torah. There's only the promise made to Abraham 
and Isaac and Jacob. A promise from past generations. That's all there was. And the hundreds of years Israel had been uh, in Egypt, and we saw the transition last week when we were talking about the sons of Israel were more fruit. This is Exodus 1-7. The sons of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and became exceedingly mighty. Remember Joseph, all of Israel came with Joseph. They came and God honored Joseph there. He was, he was the supreme leader for Pharaoh in Egypt. But then verse 8 of Exodus 1, a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph and put hard work and labor, and the Egyptians began to punish and harm the children of Israel. So Moses now leaves Egypt. He's going to go back, but he's going to go back differently. He leaves Egypt, and he and notice in verse 15, he settles. His home becomes the land of Midian, an arid, miserable, wilderness desert. Nothing attractive about the land of Midian. It would not be your choice of places to set up your home. All of Egypt and all of its glory and all of its technology and all of its education and all of its riches and all of its wealth, and now he settles in the land of Midian. And we know it's approximately 40 years for each. Some of you are old people in here. You can do the math on how old you are. So for 40 years, Moses was in Egypt. At about 40, as Stephen teaches us in Acts 7, he then left Egypt. And now we find this story, and it's interesting, we're reading this in the narrative printed in our Bible. Remember, these things were spoken orally. Long time before a Bible was ever, everybody had a Bible in their hand. You know, they didn't sit around the campfire there in the wilderness with their copy of God's Word. It was oral. You, you had to share this orally and hand it down. It tells us a lot about how important stories are from the Word of God to our children and our grandchildren. Tell your, tell your grandchildren a story from the Word of God. Tell them the story. Sometimes don't even read the story. Tell them the story. That's why I, gave, I mentioned to you last week these devices. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Now a man from the house of Levi. Uh, then you have in uh, verse 11. Now it came about in those days. And then you have in verse 16 of chapter 2. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. You have in verse 23, now it came about in the course of those many days. And then you have in chapter 3, verse 1, now Moses was pasturing. Now, now, he's, the, the, the story is being given in sequence, but it's over a long period of time. We have the death of one Pharaoh at the beginning of chapter 1 of Exodus. We have a new Pharaoh who was hard on them. And then we read, uh, we read in this, what we've read here tonight in verse 23, that the, the Pharaoh who was so hard on them, he dies. And another Pharaoh comes up. 
Three Pharaohs over this period of time. Lots of history, lots of years, lots of time. Moses names his son after he's married, so he's, he settles in Midian, and then he uh, is married to a Midianite woman, and he has his son, he has two sons, but this son's the first son, Gershom. And what does he name him? He names him the sojourning son. This is my son from my sojourning. I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. That was the title, that was the name of his son. Every time he said his name, he was reminded, I am a sojourner in a foreign land. I am sojourning. That means I'm not staying here. I'm on my way to somewhere else. I'm sojourning. And I'm sojourning and I'm in a foreign land. That's what the world feels like to those of us who are followers of Jesus. We'll talk more about that in a moment. So Moses was a sojourner, an alien in a foreign land, listen, where he heard from God. So Moses left Egypt so that he might be prepared to hear from God. Moses settled in the land of the Midianites where he heard from God. And Moses was sojourning in the foreign land as he heard from God. And the children of Israel cried out in their bondage. So now the focus is Moses is now in Midian, uh, in Midia, and he settled there. And all of a sudden, now we come back to Israel. Now, it came about, verse 23. Notice I've read this to you already. The children of Israel <clears throat> cry out in their bondage under their, under their taskmasters in Egypt. The children of Israel cry out to God in their bondage in Egypt. And I want you to notice the language of their cries. They sighed in verse 23 because of the bondage. They were just in despair. It seemed like it never ended. They cried out. They cried out and they sighed. They cried out. Their cry rose up to God. And then we see God's response. Please, please be careful and notice each of these Verbs, God heard their groaning. God remembered His covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 25, God saw the sons of Israel and God took notice of them. So the children of Israel cried, so Moses is now left, he's gone. The favored son, the favored adopted son, killed an Egyptian. Pharaoh was after him. Then that Pharaoh never got him. He went to Midian. He was there for 40 years. Had his family. Had his sons. Uh, sojourning in Midia. And now, while he's in Midia, there is no news broadcast to tune into to get the latest information on the children of Israel. Moses is living in a totally different world, sojourning in Midia, while the children of Israel for another, for years upon years upon years, now they're under, they are crying out in desperation because of their bondage, their Egyptian bondage. And God heard them. And God saw. 
He heard their groaning. He didn't forget. This is an interesting phrase used in the Old Testament. God remembered. It is, it is teaching us the importance that God never forgets what He promises to do. God remembered His covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Again, no word of God, no words from God recorded, put down in any way. The first words of God to ever be recorded are those of the ten words. And Moses wrote them down. But now, all we have is the promise of God. All Moses has, all he's learned, all he's been taught by his family, his Hebrew family. By the way, born to uh, Levites. He was of the priestly tribe, Moses, and Aaron, and his sister. All of them, knowing only the promise of God. How important are the promises of God, my dear friends, to all of us? How important are the promises of God? Of God. Which came first? The Word of God or the promises of God? The promises of God. So God now speaks to Moses alone in the wilderness. Chapter 3. Now, what was Moses doing? <laughs> Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, uh, the, his father-in-law, and the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness. I love, I have some wonderful uh, old-time preachers that I read. Oh, they write in such strange ways. They speak in old English, but Bishop Hall, in his contemplations about Moses in the wilderness, says he learned in the wilderness to subdue all ambitious desires so that he might have freedom of thought and full opportunity of holy meditation. That's what happens in the wilderness. That's what happens, you may think you're in a wilderness. He learned to subdue all ambitious desires so he might have freedom of thoughts and Opportunity of holy meditation. He willingly leaves the world to others and does not desire the courts of Pharaoh. The longer he lived in the wilderness of Midian with those stinking sheep in that arid, miserable, God-forsaken place, he forgot about Egypt. He that has true worth in himself and familiarity with God, Bishop Hall says, finds more pleasure in the deserts of Midia than others can find in the palaces of kings. I couldn't have said it better. So we'll let Bishop Hall say it for us. Now Moses is ready to hear from God. And I made the note to here to myself to remind you, Acts 7, 30, after 40 years in Midian, God spoke to Moses in the bush. 
Stephen reminds us of the chronology. Forty years. Forty years. Oh, how God looks at time differently than we do. Oh, how God works in time differently than we work in time. After all, some of you are looking at your clock right now. We've got things to do. Pastor Mike, you have to finish on time. Let's go. We have lots to do. Hurry up. Move on. Let's go. We know the story. Yes. 40 years. Now, Moses is ready to hear from God, and he ends up at Horeb, the mountain of God. God spoke to Moses alone. The angel appeared in the burning bush. It was blazing. Moses turned aside. Notice, the bush is not, it's blazing. It's a blazing bush, not consumed. It's a bush that speaks. And it's a bush that speaks His name. Would that get your attention? He stopped and looked at this. It's a blazing bush. It's blazing. We see pictures of this. You know, the, the dry brush catches fire and it just blazes, but... The bush isn't burned up. And now the voice of God comes from it. God spoke to Moses by name. Moses, Moses. And Moses responded, I am here. And then God says, He warns him of his unapproachable holiness. Do not come near. Don't come any closer. Remove your sandals. Wherever God is, is holy. The ground on which you stand is holy. And so then God speaks to him and says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God tells Moses he is the God of his fathers. We have much that we're going to learn about what God says to Moses. This is very important. That's why I'm saying this is Moses, a man who heard from God. But tonight we learn this simple truth that God spoke to Moses, and Moses heard God, and he feared God. When God speaks, how do we respond? Well, he tells him of his fathers, and what does he do? This seems so strange. He doesn't speak of his spectacular glory and majesty and sovereignty. He doesn't speak of his power. He doesn't, he's going to speak of some of those things. He's going to demonstrate that later at, at Mount Horeb at Sinai. When the children of Israel are there, the glory of God will fall. But no, right now he just declares, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And then Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. So what can we remember about this, these, this historic story, these facts? Well, this is what I want to spend a little time on tonight. And I hope that it will be some encouragement to you. And then on the back of your uh, page, there's some things for us to apply in our daily life. First of all, whoever, calls, whoever is called to salvation, I, I'm looking around. I know most of you, I'm your pastor. Um, when the Lord called you to salvation, He began the process of preparing you for service. You're not saved not to serve God. You're saved in order to serve God. We're bond slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wake up every day and say, I have yielded and surrendered my life to you, my rights, Lord Jesus. What do you want me to do? Listen, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? And this is for you too. 
If we're followers of Jesus Christ, we are bond slaves. And those of us who have been called to salvation, He prepares us for service just like He did Moses in the wilderness. I don't know where He'll send you. But I would say to some of you, you need to go back and sit down at your house somewhere in a quiet place and you need to find out and look how God has prepared you in the past for what He wants you to do today. I promise you, He's been doing it. We saw in our study of Philippians, those of you who are with me, He who began a good work in you will complete it. That's what He's doing in your life and mine. Salvation comes when we forsake the world and follow Jesus. What did the Lord say? If you want to come after me, you deny yourself. You take up your cross, you follow me. We yield our rights to our own self. The talk of rights becomes meaningless. There are no rights for the follower of Jesus. I've yielded them all and surrendered them gladly so that I might follow Jesus fully all the days of my life. I don't have any rights anymore. I've yielded them. Moses left Egypt. Just like Moses left Egypt, you and I must forsake the world. I wonder tonight, are you carrying that worldly wagon along with you? You dragging it along wherever God takes you? I hope not. You know, that worldly wagon full of all those toys and things, the longer you go with the Lord, the less they mean to you. Moses, as Bishop Hall said, he enjoyed the pleasure of the wilderness far more than the pleasure of the palaces. Have you come to discover that? The pleasure of knowing and following Jesus more than any pleasure of the world? Well, God always leads us to a place where He can speak to us without distraction from the world. When God uses a person, He he brings them to a place, a special place, where He can speak to them. For Moses, it was Mount Horeb. I don't know where it has been for you. Perhaps it was uh, in a church, or perhaps it was at a, at a camp, or uh, some special place. For me, it was at a youth camp many, many years ago when I was just a young boy in Oklahoma. Special places where God speaks to us. Do you know those special places? All through the Old Testament, they would set up rocks pile up rocks at Bethel and they'd pile the rocks up when they crossed Jordan. Why would they do that? Because those places became special places where God met them. You have them in your life too. God leads us to special places where He can speak to us without distraction from the world. Moses' place was starting in Midia, in, at Mount Horeb. And God meets us in special places to speak to us. And God speaks to us from His Word by the Holy Spirit when we listen from the Word of God. That's how He speaks to us today. It's not in Revelation. It's not in dreams. It's not... No, no. It's the Word of God. It's the secure, clear Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, this Word of God. And we are now blessed as saved people who know Jesus Christ to have the Holy Spirit within us and though I speak to you tonight and we look at these words and you read them, the Holy Spirit takes them and applies them to your mind and your heart where you are so that you might walk with God as He wants you to tonight. We're all hearing from God so that we might respond to Him. It's not a thunderous voice rocking and shaking the building. It is that, it is that voice of the Holy Spirit and the very voice of the Word of God. 
So, do you know how to hear the voice of the Word of God? Do you know how? Do you read it like a newspaper? Do you read it like an article? Do you read it like an email? You must be taught to pick it up and pay attention to the voice from the Word of God. The voice of God is there for those who have the Holy Spirit to hear it. Others miss it. It's just information. God speaks His Word to us by the Holy Spirit. But by the way, God is not in a hurry to accomplish His purposes. <laughs> hundreds of years, hundreds and thousands of years, and thousands upon thousands, you Revelation studiers, the end is near. The end is near. But it's near only according to the time of God when the Lord Jesus will come. God's not in a hurry. God will fully accomplish His purposes in the world and all the mess you see now, there's always been a mess in the world. I'm, I'm amazed by some of my older friends who are Christians who are so shocked by, they're so troubled by the world today. Have any of you, did any of you live through a world war? Uh, did any of you ever live through other up, Evils and did any, would anybody here remember 9-11 or I, I can does anybody think about what happened at the Holocaust that there seems to be this rancor in the world that it's never been like this it's always been like this because God is doing his purposes in the chaos of the world Lord, why won't you deliver us? You promised Abraham. Why won't you take us out? Can you hear the cry? Can you hear the cry? Why won't you come, God? Why won't you come? The answer is, first I have to have my man ready. And it took a long time. Eighty years. Eighty years. Sid, how old are you? Eighty-one? Afraid so. Afraid so? Well, you're just now getting ready to go for, for God. I can embarrass Sid. Eighty years is a long time for preparation. God's not in a hurry to accomplish His purposes. Moses was 40 years in the wilderness while Israel continued to suffer under Pharaoh for hundreds of years. In the secret place, I hope you know your secret place and have one. You need a secret place. In the secret place, believers learn to hear and speak with God in prayer through the Word of God. The best thing you can do with your children is teach them to go to a secret place and pray and read God's Word. Take something to write on and send them off and let them hear from God. Moses saw the glory of God in the bush that did not burn. And I remind you tonight of what Paul said to us in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, that we see the glory of God in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's revealed through Scripture. We have the blessed words of the Lord Jesus and the gospel stories. Praise God for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
and all of the apostles' teaching. The fire of God in the bush reminds us of the holiness of God that consumes evil. What did Paul say in Hebrews 12, 29? Our God is a consuming fire. What does the fire of God consume? Sinfulness. I want to get to this because there is such sweetness in uh, this, um, this hiding of Moses, hiding his face. When God first speaks to him out of the flaming, blazing fire, out of all of that, can you, you know, imagine the sound and the smell and the blazing fire. Think about it. It's, it's roaring. And yet the voice speaks and says, I am the God of your father, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. I could have spent the entire time on this phrase, but you see what he's saying is, I am a holy promise-keeping God. God is a holy promise-keeping God. I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I am the holy promise-keeping God. Is anybody here tonight glad of that? Well, I am. God is a holy, grace-giving God. <laughs> Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You know their stories? Sure you do. If you know the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, every one of them a rascal sinner just like us, the grace of God showed up in all their lives. If you know anything about the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know that God's promises were continually given to each of them over and over to remind them that God would do what He said. God is a God who chooses and preserves and saves. That's all true when you know the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know what happened here? You know what? This, this is the... He is overwhelmed by the mercy and grace of God, and so He shows fear for God. Now, this is not like our world today. Everyone wants to talk about the love of God, and that is so glorious and true. The loving kindness of the Lord is eternal. It is a part of His nature. But here, as God speaks, these, look, we have to go back. There's no record here. This is the first time God speaks to this man of God. And what does He say? I am the God of your Father and your father's fathers, and your father's. And because of that, Moses hid his face from the holy glory of God in holy fear because, I believe, he's fulfilling what Psalm 30 verse 4 says. There is forgiveness with you, listen, that you may be feared. There is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Have you ever thought about this? Do you fear God because you have experienced the forgiveness of God? Well, we should. So what do we do with all of this tonight that we've talked about? Well, first of all, do you know, do you know the experience of hearing from God's Word? I, I, this is, again, what I've said to you before. When you open the Word of God, do, do, you, do, you sense and, do you sense and hear the voice of the Word of God? There is a voice in the Word of God. There is a tone. There is, there, is, there is a voice within the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit helps you to hear it. Do you have a special hidden private place to hear from God? A special place? Some of you might need to take a 
uh, travel back to some places, special places where God's met you. I've done that in my life, and it's been such a good experience. Have some of those pictures that I keep with me of those special places to remind me of some of those places and times how God used them to shape me. And some of those places I didn't really like that much, actually. But they were the places where God sent me. And He's done the same in your life, too. God sees your condition today, my dear friends, and I remind you that our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, is at the throne of grace. You will find help in time of need. This is my reminder because the children of Israel, God saw their condition. He sees yours. He sees your condition. Oh, for us, it's so much more special. We know the Lord Jesus Christ. God has spoken to us in His Son. And through His Son, now we have our hope in heaven through the Lord Jesus, who is our anchor for our soul. So what do we do? Well, Paul, when he's talking about doing ministry, I have one minute. Paul, Paul when he's uh, talking about doing ministry, he talks about some of the things that you must do if you're going to be effective in service to God. He says in 2 Corinthians 4, 2, we have renounced the things, the hidden, the, the things hidden because of shame. Have you renounced the secret things that nobody else sees you do but God sees you do that are sinful? Have you renounced them? When you're by yourself and no one else is around, only God sees and knows, what do you do in those hidden places and hidden times? Well, he says we have renounced the, the hidden things of shame. If we're going to hear from God, we must renounce the hidden things of shame. And we must demonstrate that we're not walking in deceitfulness. We're not trying to trick anybody or live in hypocrisy. We are living in such a way that we show the truth by the way we live and talk. This is, this is 2 Corinthians 4.2. We don't walk in craftiness, adulterating the Word of God, but by manifestation of truth. In other words, we live the truth. We commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. They look at us and say, there is really something different about that person. They see it at work. They may not believe what you believe. They see it in you. They hear it in you. They feel it in your person and your desires. We must renounce the hidden things of shame if we're to hear from God and serve God. We're to demonstrate truthfulness. And we're to live in the light of God in Jesus Christ in order that we may gain the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. That's verse 6. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one, listen, who has shone in our hearts. Tonight, if you are saved, the light of God, the light of God is turned on in your mind and you're able to see, you're able to see and know and understand the truth of God, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That, that is such an astounding privilege. So may we learn how God has blessed us in these gospel days far more even than Moses standing and listening to God speak out of a bush. Live in thankfulness, offering God yourself acceptably in godly fear and awe. I'll close with Hebrews 
chapter 12, verse 28. We've read it before on Sunday morning when we were talking about teaching your children the fear of God. I quoted it to you, but let me just read it again as we close. Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude. Let us show gratitude. Gratitude to God. By which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. Listen. For our God is a consuming fire. So may God give us wisdom to hear His word tonight. Good to see all of you. May the Lord bless you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Moses, a man who heard from God. And we thank you that the light of the glorious gospel of God in the pages of the word of God by the Holy Spirit opens our minds and lights our minds and we can know the glory of God through the face and life and person of the Lord Jesus Christ and hear from you just like Moses heard from you. May we look forward, may we longingly go to our secret place so that we might enjoy fellowship with you and hear from you so that we will never be afraid, so that we will never, so that we will never be worried about the times, but we will be at peace knowing that we have heard from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Great to see you all. Have a great week. And Lord willing, see you on Sunday as we continue to talk about as for me and my house. Say hello to somebody. Some of you are back together again. Renew your relationships tonight. God bless you. Those of you watching us, have a great evening. Have a good day.